Welcome back to another month of the Fresh Start Podcast. We're excited to be here with you. We have some new faces with us this month um, as we celebrate our one-year anniversary of kicking off the Fresh Start Podcast. And we we figured no better way to um, celebrate this one year than to talk about something that's um, really big and relevant in students' lives today. So with us today, we have Avery Pace. She's one of the students um, at LMS here in Lexington, Tennessee. Uh, we have Kirsty Williams, who is my wife, one of our middle school Sunday school teachers here. Um, and we'll get into um, what her and Mary Beth, our other lady here today, what they'll be talking about with us uh, later on in this episode. So we are thankful to have them with us. But this month, we are going to be talking about students' mental health. As you go back to school, as you were back with your friends in classes, parents, as your kids are now out of the house from uh, what may have been a long summer um, for you all, we are excited just to begin to talk about some things that are really relevant, things that students are struggling with, that they're going through, and how they can begin um, to cope with them. We're going to check out four different aspects of students' mental health um, today. We're going to talk about what students have to say about students' mental health. We're going to talk about what um, studies are saying about students' mental health. We're going to talk about what scripture has to say about students' mental health. And we're going to talk about what the specialists are saying about students' mental health. So um, to kick us off and get this podcast starting, uh, we're going to let Avery take it over as she begins to tell us a little bit about what she sees <coughs> students are going through and dealing with um, in high school right now. I'm going to talk a little bit about what I see and what I personally experience myself. Um, today, In today's world, there's just so many distractions for one thing, and that does not help with my mental health or anyone else's, I don't think. So some things that I see a lot would be body image and social media is everywhere. It's gotten to the point where it's just destroying girls' confidence and even guys as well. And I've also seen a lot of depression lately, especially since COVID hit. And it's just been really hard for some people to dig themselves out of that. And I don't think they're looking for it in the right ways. A lot of them are. And I've also seen a lot of people so stressed about their test scores because their parents push it on them while they have all this other anxiety about everything else that's happening, sports, um, then again, along with that depression, and they're trying to keep their parents happy with their grades, and it, it's, it can just be so diminishing of their confidence and just their mental health in general, and I personally have struggles with keeping my grades up and stressing about keeping my grades up, along with trying to be the best at everything, which is not possible, but there's just so much pressure on teens nowadays, I think, to be the perfect teen, which is not at all possible. I think it's really good as you consider, as we talk about student ministry week in and week out, one of the most difficult things I think you're right that students are facing is the comparison game, the comparison to social media, the comparison to their brothers and sisters, the comparison to the other students, the comparison um, to what maybe some of their parents accomplished and their parents' expectations. And um, I think that goes into a lot of the statistics that we're going to talk about here in a minute of what students are facing and, and the amount of pressure that students feel like um, they are under. So we had Avery give us a little testimonial about what students, from a student's perspective, about their mental health. Um, but now we just want to take a few minutes to talk about um, some studies and statistics about students' mental health. So Mary Beth is going to kick us off, and we're just going to walk through um, a few different numbers and statistics, not to scare you, um, but just to make you realize what is really out there and what maybe you as a student or as a parent 
of students, um, maybe what you're not seeing or um, maybe what you're not able to to access on your own. So we just want to take a few minutes to help open the eyes of some of our listeners um, about what students and the proportion of students are actually going through. So Mary Beth, we'll let you start us off. Yeah, so Avery, I really appreciate you sharing all that because studies actually show that 45% of students have experienced some kind of excessive stress. And in that, 71% of students say that schoolwork has caused them depression and anxiety. Which I think, um, I just look back in my own life in school, and I know when I was in high school, which wasn't very long ago, you know, school pressures were high. Um, but I think when you throw in everything else that's going on, you consider COVID, you consider the isolation, you consider, you know, all the new pressures that they are facing, that school is, is a big deal for students because they're, especially the juniors and seniors who are looking at trying to get into college and universities, they're trying to have a, a great GPA. And so um, school is not easy. And I think the more that we continue and the more that students feel isolated, it seems the more anxious and depressed they get about those You know, and one other thing that um, I think is very relevant is just social media because everything is out there. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was a kid and you didn't really want to share your grades, you just wouldn't. But now, like, all of your success or, um, you know, any progress that you make, people are putting on social media. Mm -hmm. And so if you've made a grade that you don't really want to share, then it's hard to escape that. Oh, yeah, for sure. So just continuing on about these statistics, we know that 55% of teens say that they have experienced some form of anxiety. 45% say that they try to ignore their feelings or spend more time alone when they are dealing with these mental health issues. And also 43% say that they have experienced depression. Which I think what we are beginning to learn as a society is one that um, students are dealing with these things, but Two, we're just beginning to scratch the surface of the acceptance of it's okay to talk about what you're going through. It's okay to express. And, you know, not that our parents or grandparents' generations did anything wrong. It just wasn't socially acceptable. So I think there's a big learning curve for pastors, for students, for parents, grandparents, and understanding, you know, what it means to work through some of this stuff. Because, I mean, the studies are showing that a lot of students are going through a lot of stuff, but not only are they going through a lot of stuff they're trying to keep it to themselves and um, as we'll talk about in a few minutes as we begin to ask some more questions I think um, you know the more we talk about this idea of mental health and the things students are going through the more that hopefully we'll see some of these numbers go down as people begin to learn how to express what they're actually going through instead of bottling it up and and dealing with it on the inside so we have we have a few more statistics um, so we'll continue on here Okay, so the next one says almost 25% of students reported they had serious thoughts of suicide in the last year. And 22.3% spike in ER trips for potential suicides by children aged 12 to 17 in the summer of 2020 compared to 2019. So this study is in the last year. So parents who are listening from our sixth graders all the way up to our seniors in high school, Um, You may not realize it, and you may think, you know, my child would never deal with that. You know, he has great parents. He goes to a great school. He's a great athlete, but that doesn't matter. Like, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, depression, they are facing every kid. So I hope parents, as you begin to to understand this, that there are things that maybe you need to be talking to your students about, maybe um, talking through that even when on the surface everything seems to be going fine, that if we want to begin – 
working with our students, we have to come to the realization that no matter what life situation uh, you and your family and kids are in, um, whether they're in sixth grade or 12th grade, they are battling some some tough demons inside that the, the world is just throwing at them. And as we consider going on here, 67 percent feel pressured to keep the feelings to themselves and 46 percent of teams reported social media as their most common outlet for learning about coping mechanisms for mental health and so as we walk through these this is what i just kind of gather is putting all this together is that a vast majority of students are dealing with mental health whether it's anxiety depression suicidal thoughts maybe it's other things and they're feeling as though social pressures are telling them to keep it inside and not dealing with it. And the ones who are choosing to try to at least do something with it because they feel so lonely and isolated, they're not turning to their parents. They're not turning to professionals who can help. They're not um, turning to, to pastors or to teachers or to a trusted adult. But they're so inundated with social media that social media is where they're turning to. And sure, you know, if you're on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or something, there may be a reputable doctor or social worker or therapist who is on there giving advice, but we also know that um, the internet is not um, always the most reliable source for things. So um, I think in terms of, of stats and studies, this can begin the dialogue of, hey, what are some red flags in my students? What are some things that they're going through? And what are ways that I can begin to equip my student um, or my students to be begin talking about this because the reality is if we don't get our students and our children talking about this, they're going to go seeking for these answers in other places and try to cope with this in other places. And I think that's a very scary thought because we're, we're seeing it already. And I have no doubt that as time goes on, if this isn't something that we as a church family, we as parents, um, grandparents and families take seriously now, we're going to see a lot of repercussions um, in the future. So yeah, I would definitely make it a point to ask students because I mean I've seen so many of my friends that I would you would think would be fine on the outside there they seem happy as can be but when they get home alone and you see them post on social media that they're upset but I know that they haven't told their parents they haven't told any adults they mostly run to social media and post it on there and I just think it's so important for the parents to step out and ask hey are you doing okay or just ask just what what kind of struggles they face in their lives or find a better way to approach that mm-hmm. yeah. and I think what you said is key too that we want to encourage parents that you don't have to have all of the answers when your child is asking these questions you know just keeping the dialogue open and just being willing to allow them to talk to you about these hard things and um, because like you said if if they can't talk to you or a trusted adult about it they're going to go to social media mm-hmm. they're going to google their problems mm-hmm. um, and then ultimately that's not looking for the answers in the right places mm-hmm. i see even just serving in student ministry when you just take that simple step of in a sincere way asking a student hey you know what what's going on how are you doing was today a good day at school i can't tell you the number of times I've just had a student unload completely right. on me and because one they know it's an trusted adult and two they've just bottled up all these feelings and thoughts <laughs> there's been a few situations I'm like I don't know what to do <laughs> I'm just gonna listen and I'll do my best and we'll talk through it if we can but like it can be intimidating especially if you're a young parent or you know this is not something your parents raised you um, to do but I think just simple questions like Avery said go a really really long way um, for students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So we've talked about what students think about mental health. Um, we've kind of given some statistics um, through what the studies have uh, talked about and said through mental health. But I think um, before we, we get into um, some more of this, I think it's important too, as you know, we talk about the Bible and what Scripture has to say about mental health. And as I'm, I was thinking through this um, and doing some research of, you know, what are some key scriptures that the Bible kind of gives us to deal with mental health? One that probably is not hardly, if ever used, that I've ever heard used, um, popped up as I was reading through some stuff, and it was in Jonah. Uh, chapter 2, verse 5 through 7, it says this, "'The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me, Weeds were wrapping up my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me from life, from the, the life of the pit. O oh Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. My prayers came to you into your holy temple. And you may be sitting here wondering, much like I was, what in the world does Jonah have to do with mental health? Because the thing we think about is Jonah... He made some poor decisions. He ended up in the belly of a whale. Eventually, he went and uh, did what God asked him, and then he sat under a tree and pouted um, and said, God, just take my life. And so, you know, but I began to think about the story, and really what Jonah is going through is not much different than what our students are going through the day. He was asked to do a very difficult thing um, and go to a very difficult place, and that, that was a, that's a lot of pressure. You know, whether it's a parent asking you to do that or God asking you to do something difficult, you know, there is some pressure that, that comes with answering um, to somebody who is in authority over you, and as I thought through that, I'm like, I can maybe understand why Jonah was like, I'm going to run from this, because if we're being honest, that's our reaction sometimes. When pressures get heavy, when we are anxious or depressed, we just run from what we are feeling and try to pack it away and hide it away. And it got to the point where eventually we know in the story that Jonah was swallowed by a fish. And that's where this, this scripture picked up at, that he's in the belly of a fish praying to God. And what is he asking God? He says, God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered you. And I think that's such a key part, even when you are dealing with the, the struggles of school and anxiety, depression, is remembering God. And I think in this moment, as we know that that Jonah had a relationship with God before this point. He's remembering all of the things um, that the Lord has brought him through up until this point in his life. And when you're in a very dark place, and I'm going to assume that the darkest place Jonah's ever been is in the belly of a fish because I can't think of too, too many worse situations to be in. Um, and maybe that's where you feel like you're at today, that you were just in the dark spot of your life. But a great reminder that Scripture tells us is just remember remember God and the things He's brought you through, and that even when dark times come and anxiety and depression and loneliness spike, that God is still with you and that He loves you, He cares about you, and He has a plan for your life. But I think the other important part of this, He talks about prayer, but He also talks about where. He says, into your holy temple. So I think Jonah is reflecting on the times that he realized that he had to go somewhere to get help that he knew that he could go to the temple and that's where he was going to get help from God. And as much as I want as a pastor, and I know as much as parents and grandparents and families want to be able to help students who are going through things, we only have so much knowledge. We only have so much training. And sure, I can walk alongside of a student who is going through something and I can be someone who listens, but I'm not a practicing professional or a specialist in mental health. So I think there is so much value and importance for just like Jonah realizing he had to go somewhere to get help. 
um, and he knew where he had to go to get help. And I, my fear is that there are so many students out there who don't know where to go to get help, how to get help, who to talk to. And so they go to a parent and that parent feels ill-equipped and um, pressured to, to do the right thing. So the first thing most parents will do if they're raising their kid in church is let's take them to the pastor. Let's take them to the youth pastor. And let me tell you, seminary does not train you on how to practically deal with mental health. Now, they give you some pointers of going through some biblical counseling, which is very important. But again, this is not my profession. I don't do this day in and day out. Pastors don't do this day in and day out. So I think there is a time where we can submit and say, all right, we we can pray with you. We can walk you through um, and be there with you, but but let's let's go somewhere where you can get help. And I think um, as Jonah realized those two things, that he could go to the Lord and remember what the God has done in his past um, to give him joy and to get him through this dark place and remember where he went to get help. And if in our own lives as we're going through that, I think those are two key things. Remember where God has brought you from in the past um, to remind yourself of where you can be in the future and remember that sometimes even when you're in the darkest place in your life, if you reach out for help, it's going to go a long way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think as I considered scripture, that was just something that it took me a while to get there as I'm thinking about this. But the more that I thought about Jonah's story, the more that like it is so relatable to mental health and what students um, and parents may be going through in their own lives when they are dealing with um, some of the statistics that, that we've talked about. So we've gone through the students, um, what they're saying about mental health. The studies are saying about mental health. Um, a story in scripture of what it has to relate to in terms of mental health. But lastly, the reason why we have Kirsty and Mary Beth with us is because they are specialists in this field. Um, Kirsty is a behavioral therapist at Labonner Children's Hospital uh, here in Tennessee, and uh, Mary Beth is serving as a is it a practical therapist? Is that? Yeah, so I am offering telehealth services okay. right now. So, yeah. She is also doing a lot of um, therapy. So we thought we would bring them in. They are members in our own church and doing a lot of good work in our um, community and when it, in terms of mental health. So we just want to talk with them for a few minutes, ask them some questions, get some advice for parents, for students, um, people who are around uh, students. So I think this is just going to be a good opportunity for us to just hear from the professionals in, in this field, the specialists in this field who see um, these things day in and day out. Okay, so I have a question for Kirsty. So have, how have you seen social media affect students' men- mental health? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that I've seen it affect students in a lot of ways. I actually did um, several trainings on this last year um, in the schools, and we actually did one out at Scotts Hill. So I know some of you might remember this because I remember seeing some of your faces. Um, so this is not only information that I have seen over just the years and just being a clinician in this field, but also straight from the students' mouths when we did these trainings and asked them, how do you feel like social media is affecting you? And the first thing that comes to mind is that social media is not um, – there's no stability with it so sometimes you can get on social media and you feel good and you feel happy and especially for our students they like seeing the likes they like seeing when people comment or say good things about them or um one thing that's really popular is like posting on people's birthdays they post on people's stories and stuff and so you know that's the good side of social media but then also you never know what you're going to get when you all go on to social media you never know what that notification is going to be like Um, it could end up being something discouraging, maybe not intentionally, you know. I think, um, you know, cyberbullying is a thing that we have seen, but I think it's starting to be more of um, not so much like an explicit bullying type, but rather 
kids are getting discouraged by seeing other people's accomplishments and comparing themselves to those. So like, for example, if someone didn't post for your birthday, but they posted for someone else's birthday, like that's just a really quick and easy way to play the comparison game. Um, and I think that's where sometimes these students get discouraged is that they are constantly looking for their reassurance inside of their phone screen or inside of social media, which we know that that's not that can't be where our identity is found. It can't be where our encouragement or like our source of um, stability or identity can be in. Um, and the other thing that I've noticed just thinking about social media is that a lot of times like the fear of missing out starts to get a little amplified. FOMO like, is a real yes, thing. Yes. Like Even adults have FOMO. Yeah, it's like... Like, if you finish up school or, like, after church on a Wednesday night, like, someone's posting, oh, well, that group got to go to Sonic, Mm -hmm. and no one invited me to go to Sonic, and that must mean, you know, whatever. And you play this game with yourself, and you start going into a rabbit hole of things that aren't even true, Mm -hmm. but because you saw something, it led to a thought, and that thought runs wild, and you can't, like, you know, rationalize within yourself, hey, maybe they just went and just wanted to have a good time. I'm sure they didn't mean to exclude me, you know. Those things kind of fly out the window, and I think... Part of it is just like the immediate demand and like instant gratification Mm -hmm. that students get with social media and adults too. Um, I don't think this is something that is, you know, just focused to teens. I think it's especially something that adults can deal with. Um, I'm sure even these parents have probably seen it too, like parents posting what their kids' accomplishments were or, you know, well, my student got into this club or my student got into this sports team or whatever. And so it's almost even like, there's no way that these students can escape it. Like, if they're not seeing it, then their parents are seeing it. And so I think that's just the biggest thing is that, like, it's affecting how they see themselves and how they feel others are viewing them. I completely agree. I also have a second question to ask you. What are some healthy ways students can work through stress management? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing that I can think of is just having an outlet. One, having a physical outlet just to, you know, be able to move your body in a healthy way. Um, There's countless studies that I'm sure Mary Beth and I know of that just talk about the benefits of moving your body and how that relates to how your brain works and how your brain relates to hormones and all sorts of things that go on. And so, of course, just having a physical outlet, something that you enjoy, um, something that's not a punishment. I think sometimes that's where people can kind of get mixed up. They think they have to do something in order to, you know, manage the stress, like, well, I'm getting stressed out, so now I have to go do something, but, like, find something that you enjoy, you know, if you don't like running, like, go play tennis, or, you know, paint something, or do a craft, like, find something that makes you happy, that you can kind of have some alone time, some reflection time, Um, also something that I encourage is just finding things that you like listening to during that time, I mean, hey, like, the Fresh Start podcast, like, plug for the Fresh Start podcast, like, that was just something that I've always enjoyed. Like, I like using time just on my way to work. I've got about a 30-minute drive to work. So those times are, like, really good stress management for me, just, like, listening to an audiobook or a podcast or something. But then also not only a physical outlet, but also kind of like an emotional one and find a person that you can talk to. Um, I think we can kind of get on a soapbox with Mary sure. Beth and I. But um, I am so happy that students have friends that they can go to and I think that's amazing that they have trusted friends but I also would really encourage parents and students to have a trusted adult um, I think a lot of times students don't always can they can't always see the full picture of what they're going through and so having an adult that you can go to um, and it doesn't have to be your parent and I think a lot of times that intimidates right. students is that they think well I don't want to ask so-and-so to be my trusted adult because I think it probably should be my parent Um, But the reality is is that it's okay. You know, you can have a trusted adult who's not your parent. You know, it can be 
a Sunday school teacher mm-hmm. or a youth minister. It could be a teacher at school, you know. We just want it to be somebody who you feel that you can trust and who you can go to, and then especially someone who will be able to point you in the right direction when you're not able to control these things that you're stressing about. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've had parents come to me and say, man, we're so thankful for our kid's Sunday school teacher or small group leader. And, you know, they may be telling them stuff they're not telling me, and we're okay with that just because they have someone to talk to. And if they're not comfortable talking to me with a lot of problems or issues, you know, as long as they have someone, a trusted adult. So I think that's that's really important. And even things that parents appreciate um, too as well. So Mary Beth, uh, we got a couple <laughs> questions um, for you as well. So I think as we've talked about, you know, there's an importance of having um, students finding ways that they can deal with stress or deal with mental health um, issues. But I think parents play an important role in this too. So what are some practical ways that parents can help their students um, who are dealing with mental health issues? Awesome question, because I know that that's one thing that parents always want to know the answer to. And so, you know, let's be real for a second. As a parent, we have these babies, and when they're crying, we can pick them up, we feed them, change their diaper, we, we make them feel better. That's mm-hmm. our job. And then when you hit that age that they're five or six, like a kiss and a Band-Aid fixes everything. <laughs> And so now all of a sudden we're hitting another area where we might not know what to do. And so I think the big thing is, is it's okay to not know the right answer. But there are professionals out there that can help you and come alongside you and your child and help you figure out the best course of action for your child. And it's just having that awareness that I feel like we've um, kind of talked about a couple of times already. It's just having that awareness of how prevalent mental health issues are especially for our students and just um you know recognizing the signs and having that willingness to go you know what I don't know what to do but I'm going to go and I'm going to go seek advice and professional help for my child so I really think you know sometimes we just got to be an advocate for our child Mm -hmm. so so some parents may feel, depending if they live like in a rural area or just kind of feel disconnected, uh, maybe from the city or resources, are there any online options or online resources that you think might help parents um, when they are trying to kind of figure out how they can best um, work with their students who are dealing with mental health issues? Sure, that's such a good question. There is a website called adolescenthealth.org that the Society of Adolescent Health and Medicine has put together a comprehensive list of mental health resources that are geared specifically for teens and young adults. And so you can find anything on there from hotline numbers to um, more studies, websites, apps that kind of encompass all the array of mental health topics like eating disorders, anxiety, depression, bullying, um, you know, any any kind of array of, of topics that you may be looking for. So I would consider starting there and um, just checking out that website. Okay. I think that's, that's good. I think, um, you know, as we begin to equip parents, the more we can resources we can get into their hands, I think the more that they have the opportunities to impact their students' lives. Because I think sometimes it's really easy, whether it's from a pastor's perspective or a doctor's perspective mm-hmm. or some sort of person who may have some sort of leadership over parents to say, these are the things you need to do for your student. Now go do them. But we don't give them any tangible things to do and so I think the more tangibility that we have for parents the more resources uh, the better that they are going to be equipped to accomplish those things because I think it's just unrealistic to say hey these are the problems your students dealing with Mm -hmm. now go deal Mm -hmm. with them Mm -hmm. because most parents have no clue where to even begin so 
I'm sure any online resource help that they can get, I think that's gonna, that is a big deal for them. Okay, so I've got another question for Kirsty. Uh, what, would, what would you say to the student who is battling severe anxiety or depression but has no idea what to do or where to turn to? Yeah, that is, um, that's a great question because I feel like a lot of students may be dealing with that and they might just be throwing their hands up and they don't know what to do. Um, and I think the first thing that I would like to say is just if you notice yourself not being able to deal with these um, and you notice them affecting your daily life and not being able to go to school or to be able to have relationships, you know, seek out some professional help immediately, especially if you feel the need to harm yourself or harm someone else. That's something that we take very seriously. So I would obviously encourage um, calling 911. There's also Euphilogous Crisis Line. Um, I don't have that number off the top of my head, but that's a really amazing resource that we have in West Tennessee. Um, that they can actually come directly to you and get immediate counseling to work through some of those things. But also talking just um, earlier, we talked about a trusted adult, and so obviously reaching out to that trusted adult, and I would hope um, and I trust that these trusted adults will be able to point them in the, direct, the right direction. So that being, you know, school counselors or school social workers, um, lots of doctor's offices now are getting school social or getting medical social workers, I know for sure. Um, Goodwin's Children Clinic in town has now added a social worker to their team. Um, lots of physicians are really um, kind of like revamping their idea of how practice is, and they're kind of taking a much more holistic practice to not just medicine for the body, but also medicine for the mind. And um, so I'd also encourage like reaching out to your child's pediatrician. Um, parents, if you're not comfortable with your child's pediatrician, you know, obviously reach out to your own doctor. Um, you know, these, they're professionals as well, and they also have training in these things. So that's, that's a really good place to start. Um, the last thing that I can think of is just on the back of your insurance card even you can call and they can give you the list of providers in your area who deal with mental health and so they can give you immediate resources immediate places that you can call and make appointments to um and then also the last thing that i would encourage is just um i feel like a lot of times when i work with parents they get really discouraged after the first or second session with their therapist and so they think okay well i guess therapy is just not for my child or i think therapy is just not for me but i also want to encourage you know there's a wide variety of types of therapies. There's all different types of therapists. So I would encourage you, you know, if you're feeling yourself not seeing progress after a couple of sessions or you see yourself not feeling comfortable being able to talk to a therapist, try another one. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, it's not going to hurt your therapist's feelings. Like, we understand that some patients may, be, may feel more comfortable talking to, you know, different types of people about their problems, um, especially like... Um, I've noticed, especially in therapy, when I'm working with older males, sometimes they feel more comfortable having a male therapist, which is absolutely okay. You know, we want to encourage them to find that person where they feel like can lead them to be their best self. So, Mary Beth, um, one of something that's new with uh, cell phones and technology that is kind of sweeping our country right now as we are beginning to pioneer this new idea of medicine all across the board. Um, is telehealth, and um, I know that you were involved with that. So could you just tell us a little bit about what telehealth looks like, how maybe people can get connected um, to doing telehealth um, and those sort of things? I know it's going to be a big resource for both students and parents, and just um, it's something new. Yeah. And since it's new, there's a lot of unknowns, so uh, we'd just like you to shine a little light on sure. how all that all that works. Okay, so super exciting news. Um, I have become affiliated with Appalachian Integrative Therapy Service 
services out of East Tennessee. So what that does is that allows me to start seeing um, clients telehealth and we're actually setting up an office over at the Mission Action Center so we can start seeing clients. Um, we do plan on seeing clients in person very soon, so just bear with us as we transition yes. into that. But um, I see students from seven years old on up through adults. So um, we're going to be able to do some uh, individual therapy, group therapy, um, workshops for parenting, and um, just kind of bringing awareness, premarital counseling, um, virtual events. So, you know, it just really opens up the door for us to be able to serve in a lot of different areas. So we're really excited to see what God's going to do here um, at First Baptist Church um, with this ministry. So honestly, I love telehealth. Um, I still enjoy face-to-face, so it's nothing like that. But it does break away some of the stigma that some students struggle with because, oh my goodness, what if somebody finds out that I'm going into therapy? What if they see me? So a lot of people are really comfortable just doing it in the comfort of their own home. So, you know, it's really super simple. You just, um, you have a link and we have an appointment just like you do anywhere else. And then we log on and we chat and have our therapy sessions. If I give out homework or any kind of tools along the way, then I just scan those and give those to you and then we meet you know just like we would if we were in person so um telehealth definitely opens and broadens the door for a lot of different avenues so very exciting i think that's it's very exciting not only for us as a church but even if you're not you know local to where we are at um, you have so many options now um, for people to be able to see whether it's in person or online, mm-hmm. as you said, you know, there's less of the pressure that somebody's going to be in your business knowing that you're walking into this building yeah. and they know what goes on and there's just all these assumptions that, mm-hmm. that go on. Um, so I think you're right. I think that is going to be a big resource and a big tool, not just for our students and parents here in Lexington, um, but across the board. Right. It'll be uh, really big. So do any of you three have any just like final thoughts or ideas or encouragements for students um, who may be dealing with mental health or maybe parents um, who are trying to work through their with their kids or students um, that are going through these things. I just have one more thing to say. If you're dealing with something, please, please, please don't be scared to say anything because most likely everybody has their own struggles. Everybody deals with different problems in their lives. And whether it be the same thing that you're going through or not, somebody's always there to listen. There's always somebody who cares about you no matter what you think whether you think that nobody cares about you or not, somebody cares and they're willing to listen if you just go to them. Avery made such a good point because I tell my people all the time that to become vulnerable means that you normalize it for someone else and someone in that room goes, wow, me too. So if you just open up that door and find somebody, you'll realize that you are not alone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we said earlier Um, is the key for parents, you know, just keeping this conversation open and being willing to just ask the hard questions to the professionals, but then also just being willing to ask the hard questions to your students too. Um, You know, keeping your own emotions in check and just being able to listen with an open heart. Um, I think a lot of times, like you said earlier, it can be scary and intimidating for for your students or your children to start unloading all these emotions on you, but I can tell you it'll mean the world to them to know that you can just listen with an open heart and then lead them to a place that can help them. I think there's been a lot of good things uh, said in our podcast today. 
Um, and hopefully it will begin uh, your month with a fresh start. That's always our goal is to get some, some new, exciting, relevant um, things for students, parents, uh, student workers into their hands to just begin talking about stuff that students deal with, what they're going through, how they can work through stuff. Um, so we are thankful um, for those who watch week in and week out. But even if this is your first episode, we encourage you um, to still uh, go back and listen to some of our other episodes that we have dealing with a wide variety of topics um, because we are celebrating our one-year anniversary. So that means we have 12 previous episodes for this. Um, so just go like, share it with your friends. We hope um, that these are useful for you and help uh, kick off your month with a fresh start.